Welcome to Christ Church Anglican. We hope that you are blessed by today's sermon. Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you for my brothers and sisters here. Thank you for the opportunity to be empowered by your Spirit, to be given meaning and purpose above this world, that we're given a mission here that surpasses um, anything else. And Lord, I pray that this morning I, uh, my words would be um, empowered by you to inspire your congregation here to do your work. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. So what gets you out of bed in the morning? This is a popular question often asked at interviews to get to know your employee better. And statistically, it doesn't really matter how much you pay someone. A lot of times, eventually, if you're paying them a lot of money and they don't really feel like their gifts are being used or they don't really feel like this, this job fits them well or they don't really have meaning and purpose from that job, sometimes they'll, they'll resign and try to find another job, right? So, it does, so a lot of times when an employer looks at somebody, he's trying to not only reward them financially, but also put them in a place where they can really thrive and do well, and that meets their gifts and their skills. So Fox News put out an article discussing Americans getting out of bed in the morning. I thought, I thought this was pretty funny. Half of Americans still wish their parents would wake them up in the morning. And I thought that was pretty funny. I, I remember in college, I, I stayed with my grandma and my grandpa during college. And my grandma would come in and she'd, she'd open up the blinds. And because college kid, you know, I'd stay up all night, you know, sometimes with friends, sometimes studying. Um, and so she would wake me up in the morning, 6 a.m., coffee time, you know, every morning. Uh, she'd go and grab my laundry for me, which was super sweet. She'd do my laundry for me. I love my grandma. Um, <laughs> just great. I, yeah, Aaron is great, but uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, she does my laundry too, and sometimes I help. Um, so the survey of 2,000 Americans delved into all things sleep. Uh, 49% of those surveyed pinpointed their late starts as just being too comfortable. So apparently our sleep number beds and all the wonderful things, the purple mattresses we have, it's just too hard to get out of bed in the morning. It takes Americans an average of 24 minutes to get up, uh, so two alarms and two snoozes. And so I, I think that's pretty normal for me, too. I, I like to lay there in bed. I'll usually grab my phone, and I'll read some Bible passages, work on my Duolingo. I'm trying to learn Spanish. It's been a challenge. Um, and so there's lots of different things that you'll want to do before you even get out of bed in the morning. Um, I try to get my Bible. It's laying next to my bed. I'll try to read my Bible in the morning. So there's some things that you kind of just lay in bed because you're just comfortable, right? 60% of respondents uh, shared the key to getting out of bed, though, was having exciting plans for the day. So if you know that something's exciting at work that you have to do, you're on a new project, you have a new team member that you're excited about working with, all kinds of things, right? Those things will help you get out of bed in the morning. So what gets you out of bed? What motivates you and what drives you? What gives you meaning and purpose? In our scripture reading from Philippians 3, 7 through 16, we are faced with this question. And I believe that Christians get too distracted. We lose sight of what Paul calls in verse 14, the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So this, there's this goal of the Christian life and often I think we get too distracted by all of the wonderful things God has given us, even, even wonderful things like food and friends and family and careers, all the wonderful things that we're given. But sometimes we get a little distracted by that, a little too distracted. So we lose sight of this goal 
this upward call of God. The goal of our faith is the finish line of our faith. It is the purpose for which Christ called each of us, and it is the blessing and reward in the age to come, but most importantly, it's being in perfect union with Christ right now and forever. One of my greatest privileges I have as a priest is I get to visit parishioners. I get to go and see them in their homes and kind of see them in their natural habitats, and that's kind of fun. Um, and I get to really get to know them well by visiting, visiting them in their homes. And sometimes I get to visit them when they're sick, and sometimes it's always encouraging to me that sometimes I see people, and they're in these really rough situations in life. Uh, and to us, it seems like, you know, if I was in that situation, I don't know what I would do. Uh, but I get to hear from them the hope that they have in Christ. And that always is encouraging to me as a priest. I always walk out of there feeling like I was the one served rather than me serving them by visiting them. Um, and one of the things, I, I got to go visit a parishioner recently. And we talked for a couple hours about everything, politics and everything else. And, um, and it was just, it was a great time of fellowship. But one of the most beautiful things that he said to me was his union in Christ. He talked a lot about that. And in our reading today, we see that the most important thing in our Christian life is union with Christ. I mean, everything else that we do is important, right? Taking care of our family, taking care of our businesses, being reliable, being uh, there when our, our boss needs us there to do what we're, we're supposed to do, right? But really, what is the summation of the Christian life except for being found in Christ, to be united with Him? And so, Let's read verses uh, 10 through 11. Chapter 3, Philippians chapter 3, 10 through 11. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the, from the dead. In this fallen world, we can carry about, uh, carry, we can carry, sorry, in this fallen world, we can care about or worry about uh, so many things, but the, at the end, what is the Christian life all about? And I think we can see right here, Paul summarizes it for us. It's about being found in Christ. It's having a righteousness that comes through faith in Christ, not of ourselves, not anything that we did, but that Christ does in us through faith to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, to share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means necessary, we may attain the resurrection from the dead. And so Paul doesn't say anything about the Christian life being um, what we attain, you know, education-wise or money-wise or house-wise or, you know, family-wise. Although those things are wonderful gifts from God, that's not really what the Christian life is about. Um, and I see a lot of times it's easy for us to as Christians, to do that, right? We kind of like want to have the perfect family and be the perfect example to all of our friends. And that's not a bad thing, but what is a Christian life about? It's about being found in Christ. And that's why you could be a homeless man living on the corner and be just as righteous as the million, millionaire who has the nice house, the nice family, and all the, the, the physical things, right? That homeless man, his faith makes him just as uh, uh, found in Christ's image, just as righteous as, as anyone else. That's a beautiful thing. It makes us all equal in, in God's eyes, is our faith. Let's look at verses 12 through 14. Verses 12 through 14. 
Not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. So Paul gives us the why to the purpose of our Christian life here in verse 12. Christ made us his own, so now we strain forward to what lies ahead. And this is Passion Week, if you guys didn't know that. It's Passion Week. It's the week before Palm Sunday, two more weeks till Easter. And so Jesus made us his own. He pressed forward towards the cross, despising, you know, the, uh, I'm trying to remember the verse. Uh, he's despising uh, the shame to go to the, to the cross for us. And when he goes to the cross, that's joy for him. It's joy that's set before him. And to go towards the cross for us, we're able to also go towards the cross in our own life. Because he's taken all of our sin on himself. He's made us a new creation. So now that we can actually withstand all of the challenges that come our way in this Christian life. So because he owns us, he gives us a chance to own him. I think about uh, some of the uh, theologians from the East, they call this divinization or, uh, or theosis, which is being changed to have uh, the holiness of God being found in his image. In the West, we just call it sanctification. I'm sure you've heard of sanctification. Um, it's being made holy as he is holy. We get to experience what he has by nature. We get to experience by grace. And so there's this beautiful exchange that Christ gives us through the cross. And we get to have that because he first made us his own. So we have so many reasons to love God. But the preeminent reason is that God gave us Jesus to live a sinless life, to teach us how to follow him, to die on the cross, to make full and perfect atonement for our sins, to rescue us from sin, and to give us hope in our own resurrection from the dead. And we receive this freely by grace through faith. When we come to Jesus in faith, he gives us new life in Christ. And that's a free gift. But he also calls us to obedience. He wants us to walk that faith out in obedience so that we can become more like him. Anybody can meet God wherever they're at. And I like to encourage people that. Some people think they have to clean up their act before they come to church. They have to clean up their act before they come and see Jesus. But the wonderful truth of the gospel is he came to us first. He stepped down from the throne in heaven first. He initiated our salvation. We don't initiate our salvation. So in a lot of religions, you might have pillars. So you have the pillars of Islam where you have to do all of these things in order to attain salvation. Or if you have a Hindu, where you have certain things that you have to do in Hindu uh, theology. So in every other religion, really, you do things, you do religious acts, and by doing those things, you attain salvation, or you get closer to God. The tru truth of the gospel is, God already came down to us to make us his own, so that he can transform us and make us his own. Let's look at verses 15 through 16. Let those, who of us, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anyone, uh, anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. So those who are mature in Christ realize that they must continue to strain forward. So no matter, uh, so no matter how long we pursue perfection in Christ— we will not be perfect until we are glorified, transformed, and made like Christ in our own resurrected bodies. However, the Christian life is a beautiful journey of transformation. 
It's through sanctification that we're made like Jesus through the power of the Spirit. That transformation can be here and now. It can begin with us here and now in this life so that we're we're united with Christ now. And we're not just waiting to get united with Christ in the resurrection. We don't just, you know, say a prayer and become a Christian and kind of just live how the rest of the world lives. God wants us to be transformed here and now so that we can be united with Christ and be transformed in this life. So again, what gets you out of bed in the morning? What motivates you, drives you, and gives you meaning and purpose? The wonderful truth of the Christian life is that we have motivation. We have meaning. We have purpose outside our ever-changing, fallen world. The world around us will always leave us disappointed. The world around us will always change. There will always be war. There will always be famine. There will always be poverty. There's always going to be brokenness. But the beautiful truth of the gospel is, no matter what's happening around us, God is at work within us to change us and transform us. And we have hope outside this world. So our drive and our meaning and our purpose come from our relationship with Jesus. That's the primary motivation in our life. When we get up in the morning, what are we doing with our life? Are we just simply going to make some more money to buy things? Or are we simply just taking care of our family and our friends? Which are all good things. But the main thing should be motivation to do the work God has given us to do because he's made us his first. He came down from heaven. He stepped down from the throne. He left beautiful worship of seraphim and cherubim all around him to come and to make us his own. We know that God's grace is new every day, and this is so encouraging for me. And I think it's very encouraging for people that know they screwed up like, I, you might have a terrible day where you screamed at your wife, and she screamed at you, and you kicked the dog, and you, you know, all those wonderful things that we do sometimes. Um, but the beautiful truth of the gospel is we can wake up in the morning knowing that God's grace is new every day. And if we come to him in repentance, we say, God, I really screwed up, but I want to be made new, and I want transformation to start with me today. God's grace is new every day. And you might screw up a million times, a million times, times a million times, but God's grace is new every day. We have a chance to share the good news of the gospel, to rescue the lost, meaning uh, we talk, uh, Jude talks about this. He says, snatching them from the flames of judgment. We have the chance to save people from hell, to do the good works that we were created to do. We see this in Ephesians. You know, we're saved by grace through faith, but we're also called to do good works that he's already created us to do. And our crown and our joy in eternity will be the people those we share the gospel with and receive Christ in this life. So you have a commission to go out and share the gospel because those people are going to be with you in heaven for eternity. And as C.S. Lewis said, you know, we never meet a mere mortal. Everyone we talk to is either going to spend eternity in heaven or eternity in hell. So how are you helping to come between them and eternity in hell? Are you uh, saving them, snatching them from the fires of judgment, as Jude talks about? Someday we will stand before God, and when that day comes, the only thing that will really matter in this life, of what we did, is how did we love Jesus, and how did we love others? Jesus gives us an example, right? And our salvation is a free gift. But when we stand before God, and we look at what we did in this life, how did we use our time? I was listening to Rod Dreher, and I love Rod Dreher. He's, he's great. He's, a, he's a, a Christian author, Eastern Orthodox author. And uh, the wonderful thing he said was, uh, time is love. And I, I, if you really meditate on that, time is love, 
that changes everything. You know, you only get so many hours in the day. You only get so many, you know, years of life. And when it's all over, how did you spend your love? How did you spend your time? In verse 7, Paul talks about, uh, verse 7, uh, verses, sorry, verses 4 through 6, Paul talks about all of his credentials. He talks about his education. He talks about being a Hebrew of Hebrews. He has this good ethnic background, right? He has everything he needs as far as social status in the Jewish society. But he says, I count that all trash, all garbage to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. So, matter what, so no matter what our education is, no matter what our money is, no matter what our, uh, our position is in society, the most important thing that we have to give people is Jesus. The most important thing I have to give to Silas and Aiden, my, my boys, is Jesus. The most important thing I have to give to Aaron and my youth group is Jesus. You know, the people around me, it doesn't matter what I have to give. That's why even a poor homeless man could wander into our church and give us Jesus through his love and through his um, conversations with us and through his service to us. That's the most beautiful thing of the gospel. Now, it's wonderful to have material things because you can give those to people. But the most important thing we give to people is Jesus. So God is offering you salvation today from sin and death. And by repenting of your sin and believing in Jesus, you can have eternal life. But are you willing to forsake the countless riches that God gives us, all the good things that God gives us? Are you willing to count that all as trash in comparison to knowing Jesus, the power of his resurrection, and to have uh, the, the gifts of that life that he's called us to, to have union with him? And all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, feel free to visit us online at ccanglican.com. We hope you will join us again soon.